Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With farmers looking to minimise costs in this period of low milk price, milk quality specialist Don Crowley joins us to explain why milk recording is a practice that has to stay. And I first asked him what factors lead to the gradual rise in cell count in mid-lactation. It's the natural dynamic, I suppose, we see at farm level from the point of view of infection within the herd. The rise in cell count we see post-peak is mainly due to an infection called Staph aureus, which is subclinical. That means there's no clots in it, but a high cell count. But it's, called, it's a contagious bug. What's basically happening is you have a number of chronic cows that have infected other cows during the last two to three months. The infection rate now has built up in the herd and now the cell count has started to rise. And that's why you see the cell count rising from June, July, August onwards to the back end of the season. Because these infected cows will pass it to the next eight cows within the milking parlour. So what typically happens in farm level is I'll draw off my cow it's a chronic cow. I think, I'm hoping that the dry cow will, uh, will cure them. They calve down low because the antibiotic has killed the infection within the other, but there's an abscess in the other, and this abscess within the other ruptures about two months after calving, and then they start infecting the rest of the herd. So this is why you don't see the rise at the start. You see it from mid-season on. And there's another man- a management factor in it, Louise. The calves are gone. And this milk starts going into the bulk tank because there's no calves to drink it. Now, that has nothing to do with disease. That's just purely that farmers won't call these cows. They put them into the bulk tank and they have an impact on the bulk tank somatic cell counts. So co-ops would notice that first week of June, first week of July, they'll see a rise in somatic cell counts. And, and in a lot of cases, it's just these high cell count cows going into it. But predominantly, it's caused by chronic cows infecting other cows and the rise in the cell count due to, due to springtime of the year. And Don, you mentioned Staph aureus. Is that the main uh, type of mastitis we're seeing on farms in mid-season? Or are there other mastitis challenges that exist? Yeah, good point. Uh, um, when we look at the bacterial profile causing mastitis in dairy, in spring calving herds, spring, spring or autumn, but in spring calving herds predominantly, strep uberus is the dominant bacteria that causes mastitis in the springtime of the year. Staph aureus usually becomes more prevalent from mid-season to late lactation. What do we see with strep uberus? Strep uberus type mastitis is, it's an environmental type mastitis picked up from the environment. It's um, cubicles. And, and this spring has been a, a main a major cause of it because it's such a difficult spring. It's just so wet. But um, the big thing to watch for in the next couple of days is that strep uberus will hit your best milking, lowest cell count cows. They're free milking, they're high yielding, and they have a cell count of 20, 30,000. But the problem with this type of mastitis is if I miss this cow in the morning, I will have a very sick cow this evening. It's quite toxic. So what we'd see a lot of, and we're getting phone calls already, and people should watch this is mid-season, one, two days after bulling, Cows at high temperatures, cold nights, they get chills and they get strep infection, mastitis afterwards. Um, and this is, it's a very, you can get very sick cows after this. And this will be very prevalent, it is very prevalent at the moment. And it will probably be for about the next month, six weeks, we'll see it in June as well, before it will probably mi- minimise down. 
And in terms then of, you know, when we talk about Staph aureus and you're talking about a cow that has carried the infection essentially from the last lactation. And, and you mentioned that farmers won't cull these cows. Like, is culling the only way that we can eliminate this challenge from the herd? Exactly. Look, you call the cow or you call the quarter. You see, E. coli isn't a problem within dairy herds because it's a self-limiting disease. To kill the cow or kill the quarter. Staph aureus is a more sophisticated infection. It's cute enough not to kill the cow, but it will damage a quarter. The advantage from a farming point of view is Mother Nature has locked it into one quarter. So out of the four quarters, there's usually only one quarter is infected. And what you'll see is in, in, in Staph aureus type herds, milking through the back legs, the back right liner on the right hand side is going to the back right liner on the left hand side. So you'll see the same quarters in the cows being infected. So what you can do is you can either ideally cull the cow if there's enough animals there, or once cows are over peak to farm your way out of it, a number of farmers will just shut the quarter down. They'll stop milking that quarter. So I've converted her from two, three million down to 200,000. I've stopped her from spreading it, and I'm able to put the milk into the tank. So ideally, these should be culled. And how do you identify them? You identify them through milk according. If they were high last year and they're high again this year, after going through a dry cow, and their age profile is against them, you cull them. If there's an abnormality in the other, you cull them. Ideally, they're too too much of a risk within the herd itself. And the problem with this type of infection is it goes after the heifers. And in these type of herds with staph aureus infection, you see the next highest group after the oldest cows is the heifers. So you're, you're destroying the future potential of your herd by keeping these cows. And you say you're looking at last year's results, a, a cow that was high in terms of cell count last year and this year. Is there a case of doing cultures to, to I suppose, definitively say it is a staph aureus challenge? Absolutely. And like as, as farmers, what we need to get into the habit of doing is win high cell count cows, culture them, first couple of squirts go onto the ground. It must be taken as sterile as possible because you're trying to find the infection that's in the other, not in the environment. So that's that's a case in point. But any case of the clinical mastitis that farmers get from here on, they should take a sample of them. They should put the date, the ID number and freeze it. Freeze it. They can use it anytime. Those samples are valid for four to five months. And they're a great body of, 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 of you know, of work that we they can drop into the lab. But you're right, they should be making sure that it is actually a staph aureus infection that's in the herd. And then looking to, I suppose, right now, there are a lot of farmers um, in week two, week three of their breeding season. And a comment coming from a lot of farmers is they're seeing a rise in cell count um, in cows in and around the time of bullying. Can you explain why this is happening, Don, and I suppose, you know, what people can do to minimise it? That We see this quite a lot now. For the, it's happening now. It'll happen for the next six, eight weeks. And it's mainly down to a strep uberus infection that's causing it. Around the time of bullying, cow's immune system goes down. They have high temperatures, high activity, cold nights. And then what happens then is free milking cows. So their teeth ends are quite open. They're bred that way. They're free milking. So they, their ability to inhibit the infection coming into the other is inhibited. So you combine that in, the strep infection gets in because the white cell count, their somatic cell count is low, and they're prone to this strep mastitis. And as we were saying earlier, it's, it's very toxic. So what? there's a couple of things people should do. Early detection is crucial. So around this time of the year, checking the cows that are bullying for milking them, just the cows that are bullying for a day or two after bullying, 
just so that you can pick them up early. Because if you miss them in the morning, you're going to have a very sick cow that evening. The other thing with pre-milking, four-milking cows, it must be done properly. You need to wear gloves. And if you're going handling any cow, you, you spray your glove with a teat spray to prevent you from spreading it from cow to cow. Lock the cows off the cubicles. Use the passageways for holding the cows after milk if you need it. But set up some kind of a system that doesn't allow the cows to lie down the cubicles after milking. At this time of the year when they're very moist, they're very dirty, the same care isn't being taken with cubicles at the moment as it is in the winter. And it's a massive reservoir infection with the increase in temperature that's there. And one thing I would say is any infected cow that's there, you must disinfect that cluster before it goes on to another one. You may not have the luxury of milking them last, ideally if you could. Some fellas have cluster flush systems that'll help mitigate against that. And if you have a heat detection system, the heat, the, the heat detection systems that have pedometers in them have a very good system. They monitor the eating and the lying time of a cow. So they'll highlight these cows as they're not eating, as a, as a warning. So keep a check on those cows if you have the luxury of having that type of a system. But early detection and, and the use of an anti-inflammatory in cases of mastitis should be used in every case of mastitis. Don't, in, don't underestimate the pain associated with mastitis. And then looking to another issue or topic of discussion around the health um, of cows in relation to SCC and mastitis. Um, farmers are completing, uh, who are completing six recordings per year will have completed their second recording in the last week or so or are due it in the next week. There is some conversation um, around reducing the number of recordings or eliminating the practice of milk recording this year as a as a means to reduce costs you know as you know resulting from the low milk price from a milk quality perspective don what is your take on this decision of say eliminating or reducing milk recording yeah look emma in the present covid 19 scenario i i have you cannot argue people not having the ability to milk a card at present right if we take that out of the scenario we're in the business of selling milk we're in the business of making an income for a, for a family to run the business while we're looking after the environment. It is absolute lunatic stuff, anyone considering dropping milk recording or reducing it. I don't care what the price of milk is. First of all, if you're looking at it, you're looking at these number of farmers that are considering this. Have you a profit monitor done? Do you know the cost of your business? For 100 cow herders, probably milk recording costs you 12, 1500 euros. And a 500,000 litre, that's probably 0.3 of a cent a litre. There is plenty other costs, non-productive costs within your business that should be pulled before you even consider touching milk recording. Even if you put into the scenario, the antimicrobial resistance that's there, so the difficulty in curing mastitis, the selective dry code that's coming down the track in 2022, that means we won't be able to use antibiotics for preventative use, which is blanket dry code. So we've only two chances where we have a blanket dry co available at the moment. How can we do it without milk recording? Look, the, the things that it brings to your business, like you can rank the cows according to performance, somatic cell count, fat protein, EBI. You can go into profiles. You can rank your cows from your best to your worst. And the better farmers we are seeing are able to increase their output in their herd without getting increasing one cow number. The gap between the best and the worst cows inside dairy herds can be 1,000, 1,200 euros. That's the price of the milk recording anyway. 
it, it makes absolutely no sense. And it's putting the business at grave danger. We saw it after 2009, 2012, and 2016. We saw it ourselves. Any place we went into when there was no milk recording, it was dropped. It took two years to get out of it. I, I think it's, it's purely self-destructive for your business point of view. That would be my opinion. I think that's a great point you make, Don. Um, the difference between the best and the worst cow in a herd can be 1,200 euro. And as you say, that will pay for the full herd um, to be milk recorded for the year. Um, looking at milk recording results, can you remind us, Don, you know, where exactly we're looking for cell count and mastitis information for specific cows within the herd? Okay, the, the first report I look for anyway is, is, and this is, to be fair to a lot of farmers are going to miss out on this one this year because of they have the ability to milk a card, is the cell check farm summary sheet, which basically is, um, must be, which mean, basically is a look at the herd and how the herd is doing at the present scenario, but more importantly, it looks at how did my dry cow work last year. So this milk recording must be done within 60 days of the first cow calving to get an accurate did, my, did I get a good, good cure rate during the dry period? Did it cure the cows that were high? My target's 85%. So did my antibiotics work? Did the heifers calve down low? How many heifers calved down over 200,000? And had I a high new infection rate? Did I infect low cell count cows during the dry period? Was my technique poor? And that's a crucial calculation if we're looking to going into selective dry cow in two years' time. So if my technique is poor with an antibiotic, what in God's name will it be like without an antibiotic? So that is a big loss to farmers at the moment that, that hadn't the ability to do their first milk recording. So if I'm milk recording first time today, let's say, that's the, what is it, the 7th of May, anything that calved uh, before the 7th of March, 60 days, go back 60 days, um, is not in the calculation. So I'm dealing with very little in the herd. So look, that's a major report. The milk management report is a fantastic report that, in, uh, that uh, Munster have done. It ranks the cows, the best performance, the average performance, and the poor performance. It looks at the first lactation animals. From a cell count point of view, it, rank, it shows you the persistently infected cows. These are cows that are high over a number of recordings. It shows you the newly infected cows, ones that cows that were low the last recording, that are high this recording, and the recently cured. If there's a lot of movement in the newly infected and the recently cured, it means there's an infection moving through your herd. So there's cows that I've cured, have left the list, and there's new ones coming in. So there's some dynamic going on within the herd itself that you can pick up within that. You have the problem cow sheet, which ranks the cows from the best to the worst and their percentage contribution to the bull tank. So I'm able to manage my bull tank with that. The farm summary sheet is a snippet. I can look at the different lactations, first, second, third, fourth. How are my heifers doing? How are my second calvers? How are my third? How are my old? So I have a snapshot of, from a lactation point of view, which ones are causing the issue. Then you can, if you're good, it's not that difficult. If you go into profiles in your ICBF, you can do the recent recording, the lifetime recording, the somatic cell count. You can really do screening of your herd through it. And if you use it early, if, the biggest problem I see at farm level is they're not using the data that's been presented. Number one, do the milk recording, but number two, use it. So just to summarize, the reports that you're looking at is your cell check farm summary, your milk management report and your problem cow sheet. I guess, you know, on a practical level, Don, what is happening across the, the um, milk recording providers? I know that uh, some of them put a pause on milk recording for a month or so, but, you know, by and large, they're getting back out onto farms and providing the service again. Yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, look, there's two things on it. 
the wheels are starting to crank up now again and trying to get people back out onto the system again. These are the recorders going out onto it. The system is there for DIY milk recording, and especially for families where there's lads home from college and stuff like that that are out of work and stuff like that. Taking on the DIY milk recording where they'll drop in their meters, the handheld and the bottles. So one of you goes milking, somebody else is on the handheld, put up the bottles and put in the cow number. And it's a very efficient system. There's only samples taken in the evening. The following morning, you're just putting in the numbers. And you just take down your meters and off you go in. And if you log into monsterbovine.ie, you'll see there's a video showing how the DIY works and the troubleshooting. They have people actually, uh, there's a little video snippet showing it. And if people would be comfortable doing it, they should really consider doing it. Because we just don't know how long it's going to take before we're up and running full whack, you know. So the option is there for, you know, recorders are back out on the road, but also to look at doing it yourself in, in the terms of the DIY system. Finally, Don, can you give us your maybe your top two or three tips for farmers, you know, at this crucial point of the year, we're at peak and maybe coming off peak, you know, how we're going to minimize um, cell count and I suppose the spread of mastitis on farms. Okay, the first thing is, if a milk recording comes back, you identify the high cell count, the millionaire cows in your herd, and you cluster dip those once they come out, the cluster comes off the cow to stop those cows doing any wreck to the other cows in the herd. That will manage my cell count and stop the jumps in cell count up and down. To prevent this strep uberus mastitis, this more toxic type mastitis that will hit your low cell count cows, this will hit herds that are 100,000 in cell count, 50, 60,000 cell counts. Early detection is crucial. You keep an eye on the cows, you watch their intakes down. Um, early detection is absolutely crucial. Watch the cows one, two days after bulling for any, any slowness in eating. You need to pick them up early. If you're checking cows, pre-spray your glove to, to stop you from spreading it. And use an anti-inflammatory if you're treating with, with antibiotics, any case of mastitis. Don't underestimate the pain of it. Thanks, Don. I think we've got a good indication of, I suppose, the benefits of milk recording at this time of year and across, you know, the whole picture for this this lactation and across the lactations going forward. And also, you know, what to look out for in terms of the signs and symptoms of cows that are getting mastitis. No problem. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Don Crowley for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.